Chaimol. Johnny, come close. I want to sing Hab Ben Yaakir Le Ephraim and then we're going to start. Such a great song. Is that the first thing? Chaim, could you start? Johnny, you'll start? No? Very good. Translate how me and Rabbi Kiva learned. Do you mind if I do my translation? But you have to be Ma'ayan, but then we'll sing it again once you hear the translation. Nafti, are you masking to my translation? But not. I can't say it's Muskam Makol. Revezi, you'll tell me if you mask him. I translate Haben Yakir Li Ephraim. You think Ephraim? Uh-uh, but to me, he knows. <laughs> Ben Yakir Li Ephraim, there's something called a Ben Yakir. A Ben Yakir is that son who, like, you go to, my wife went yesterday to PTA, and, you know, you come back, like, all, like, these good reports, like, whoa, and you walk away very dazzled. That's a Ben Yakir. Yasla Ben Yakir is a precious child, like the well-behaved son. So Hashem says, Ben Yakir Li Ephraim? You think Ephraim, Ephraim represents the Yid in Mitzrayim, the child raised in Egypt. Had Ben Yakir Li Ephraim? 
you think Ephraim is like the hot sun, like, whoa. We, we, we had flaws in Mitzrayim. Ephraim is the Yid in Mitzrayim. We had flaws, Ari, in Mitzrayim. You think, you think Ephraim, not Ben Yakir, you think Ephraim was the Ben Yakir? Was that child, or the whole city said, you know, when you, you go to Davin and you had that son who, like, Davin's beautifully, says all the words out loud, crinkles his nose, he's mamish. Ha ben Yakir li Ephraim? You think Ephraim is the ben Yakir? Of course not. Im yelad shashuim. Maybe he's the yelad shashuim. What's a yelad shashuim? So ask any family who the parents raised like eight kids and the eighth child, the father is 53, he has his eighth son and the son misbehaves in school, he cuts school and the doctor takes him to like a ball game. And all the older siblings said, Dad, if we would have done that, you would have murdered us. <laughs> all the old kids are like, I don't get it. They all like, what? And all the older kids are like, this is ridiculous. What happened, Dad? And the so kid says, like, the kid becomes like, a, the kid says something chutzpahdik, and Tata like chuckles and gives a big hug, and the older kids are looking at each other like, they came back from Pesach Ben Asmanim, and their little sibling, the 30 year olds, come back, and the 11 year old with their 60 year old dad. Check it, if you don't know this scene, go, you need to live more. An 11-year-old is like there and she, like, she or he says something really chutzpahdik and the parents like give a hug or a kiss and all the older siblings are clucking and like, if we would have done that, that's called a yelled shashuim. A yelled shashuim is the precious child of your old age, the wonderful kid that you just love. He's your kid. <laughs> that's a yelled shashuim. So Hashem said, it's, it's, it's the child that you love for who he is, because he's your child. Ha ben Yakir li Ephraim, do you think Ephraim is my ben Yakir? Is my son who's prestigious and everybody... Im yelad shashuim, perhaps he's my yelad shashuim. He's just the child I love because of who he is. Ki midei dabri diber is kasha, is harsh. When I try to get harsh with him... When I look at him to like speak harshly, I just remember, I just remember my great love I have for him. My inside just yearn for him. And I'm going to have pity, mercy on him. No, Hashem says Hashem. Speaks about Hashem's love of Klal Yisrael for who we are. The intrinsic love, that, but that's this gorgeous, gorgeous song, the way I understand the words of the prophet Yermia Anavi and Perak Lamed Aleph. So he's not a Ben Yakir, he is Yosher Shuvah. He becomes a Ben Yakir because of that. Wow. Is that how you learn, Yavazi? No. That's how I learn. Can you see what you hold? Well, you know how I learn, how everybody learns. Tell me, she's yeah. neither. No? That's how the Malbum says it. No. That's how the Malbum, you knew that Malbum? The Malbum no. says he's neither. So then what's the odd thing? Yellow Chasha. Yeah, I don't learn. Well, he's neither. I don't learn that. I, don't, I learn like you, Ruben. Right, <laughs> the Malbum learns like you. Ruben's both, I think. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, no.
Okay, okay. Chaim Svi again, Nachamol. Let's find the Don't be so chalujet. He wants to skip Ben Yakir, like doesn't want to say the words. summer in Camp Sulam, so we have these gatherings that I absolutely love. Different summers, some summers we've done it three, four times, some summers one, two times, some summers even a little more, but what we've done in Camp Sulam is have these Musser gatherings where guys talk over a sugya in Musser, where we have a literal conversation in Musser. The dream of every Musser Yeshiva is that people are sincerely working on themselves, that you could snap and point at any guy, and he has an honest presentation of a struggle, some thoughts, things that worked, things that didn't work. That's the dream of a Musser Yeshiva. The altar of Nevardik and his Nevardik Yeshivas, which there were 86 Yeshivas around Russia, and in these Musser yeshivas, they were all different, various levels. Var- so were high schools, elementary schools, Afilu, Batimidrashis. There were all different types of schools, but there was a tremendous premium on Limara Musser. 
And the goal is that you could snap your finger and ask a guy to speak and talk on topics of Musr. We do it a lot in Sulam, a lot. We do it in Sulam and have these beautiful Musr discussions where guys speak up in a very sophisticated way. We've talked about a wide range of topics. Nafti's been at many and been a central person at many of these gatherings. And we've gotten places, really like talked sugyas and gotten sophisticated conversation. That's certainly the dream of any Musa Yeshiva. There are various reasons. I don't, want, I don't want guys forcing things. And there are various reasons. I don't like starting it too quickly. And it's good. In the summer, we do it and has a tremendous, tremendous gain. And certainly, the Rebbeim Shiurim facilitate conversation. And in Rai Shapiro, does it in a massive way. Rabbi Wasnicki, Rabbi Zone, and the Rabbeim certainly facilitate conversations. Probably in, in camp, in Sulam, it's probably a little bit more by the guys, more dominated by guys. Lemaisa, we started this year where Yudh Zelman gives a share once a week on Reb Dessler. And a lot what I want is from the Bachem themselves that topics of Musr are spoken about and even discussed. So it gives me tremendous joy to watch Yehuda prepare topics of Musr, to work on, on a safer that he finds very, that draws him, and share with his friends words of Musr that speak to him. I want it to be something very natural and unforced. We all have different svarim and different ideas that draw us, and in a very organic, unforced way. The safer an idea that talks to me will not be the safer an idea that talks to you. The more we discuss ideas of muster, each of us can find the language and the safer and the Torah that talks to us. But I specifically appreciate and I asked Yehuda to do it because I saw he had a safer that very much, Reb Dessler, that very much spoke to him. And I wanted him to share the safer that spoke to him. It's gone on, Baruch Hashem, a few weeks already. Where Zaychet's already gone on for a few weeks. I asked Yehuda today, normally it's Monday nights at 6 to 6.30. Some weeks we pushed it to Wednesday night, 6 to 6.30. Today I asked him during Musavad, I want him to share with the guys. I asked him tonight, I happen to have a chasna and will not be here at 6. So I'm asking Yehuda to come forward. This next piece of Dessler is called Cherish Amusser, the roots of Musser. What we're going to be discussing here right now, we're going to be discussing prior to to starting and to opening up about uh, self-development, working on ourselves, we're going to be discussing Sherish HaMusr, the roots of Musr. We're going to be discussing self-awareness. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, Rabbi, it's off-quoted by Rabbi, is that the number one of Musr, Tzarech Adam Ledad Le Atzmo. Man has to know himself. You have to be self-aware. You have to know what's going on. For those of us those of us in the room who are, who are drivers, I want everyone to think, 
who here thinks they're they're above average driver? I want in your head. Everyone here, we're good drivers. In your head, who's right? Now raise your hand. Whoever thought it, just raise their hand. Raise their hand. Okay. In a survey done, they asked people um, if they thought they were above average drivers or below average drivers. 88% of people thought they were... I'm curious. I was like thinking about it. (laughs) One more time by hands. And let's... We're not pretend people. In an honest way, everybody... I don't know where he's headed with this. That's why I ask people to think about it. No, no, no. no, I'm I'm stuck thinking about it. So in an honest way, one time, who's drivers Who's below average? We can start with you below average. Who thinks they're a below average driver? Anyone? One? (laughs) Below average... There's, there's good at driving. Average driver. Average driver. How safe you are, how good you are, competent. Competent. Driver. Who thinks that below average? There's one, one, pers- one person in the room. You mean it earns? One person. Two. Two. Who thinks, honest, don't, don't pretend. Who considers themselves, let's do again, who considers above average driver? It just means you think you're above average. I think, okay, says Johnny, says Johnny, what happened to the average guys? Where are all the average drivers? What's going on? So we, okay, so we're, we're, do you really feel, oh, very good, fine, Do you really feel, you're the one you feel, fine, you don't look at it that you're a good driver? Good driver, why is that a... No, no, do you look above average? Regular driver, what do you mean? I get in the car, I'm not a driver. You don't think you're better than you're a like you're a salad driver? We all have a sense that we're safer. There's a lot of people driving. He's saying something. He's saying something. Johnny, many of us, if we're driving, it's safer. Johnny's kids, so Johnny's one. Johnny's not Johnny's not Johnny's not Johnny's 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 but many people right now, right many think they're very, I'm a stronger driver. Like, if there's a group to drive, they should be the one driving. I also think. Yeah, enough, enough. How confident you are driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raise their hand. The point is everyone raise their hand. We, we could, we, everyone roughly knows what we're doing. Let's I'm in control. Okay. Let's hear. Illusionary super, superiority. Illusionary, illusory. I'm not exactly sure. That was exactly that illusionary superiority. Illusion, no, this, illusionary I don't know. Superiority is that we think we're we think we're above average in many things. The point is, okay, what's the point? Okay, in a survey done, 88 percent of people responded that they they believe they were better than average drivers, and less than one percent believe they were below average drivers. Okay, now obviously that's impossible mathematically because 50-50. Very good. Um, why am I saying this? The point is that clearly there's something lacking. Clearly. There's a self-awareness lacking. We think we're, it's, it's impossible that most people think they're above average at everything. My son Manny, my son Menachem goes crazy from this. Everybody thinks they're good drivers. Imamish gave this example. And people yeah. think like they should be the one driving. Like, like what separates? It's amazing. Um, wow. so, okay, so point, okay, so says of Dessler, so go, man goes to the store, he wants to buy a pound of vegetables. What's the first thing you do? You check if the scale, not now, but in the olden days, what's the first thing you do? You check if the scale is an accurate scale. 
right? You check if, if taco, this thing, and now if it's an accurate scale, now I can put a pound of vegetables on it and it says a pound. And now I know I'm buying a pound of vegetables. Fine. Says of Dessler, the same too with us. The same, same by us. If we want to know if the decisions we're making are correct or not, we must um, observe our intellect. We must see if we're taco, if our scales, if our intellect is, is properly balanced. I don't know, however you want to say it. Is it, or if we're, or if there might be some, some biases that make our scales tip. Because if, if that's true, then how can we rely on our answers? Right? So we have to check ourselves. Okay. Anything we think about, we have prior interest in. Anything that is to say, um, most things, anything that catches our interest, we have some prior um, will, right? Most things don't catch our eye because there's no, we don't have any will for that thing. For example, someone's who, someone who's into, he gives the example of collecting stamps, right? It's a random example, I don't know why. Is that example, but um, someone, who, someone, someone who's not interested in collecting stamps will see a stamp collection, it won't, it won't, he won't have any, it'll just he'll go right over it. Someone who's interested will then now think about stamps and they'll think about collecting stamps, how to collect the stamps, etc. Okay? Now, fine. There's two types of decisions. I'll, we'll come back to that in a second, 30, 30 seconds. Um, two types of decisions. Most decisions we make in our day, says Rob Dessler, are simply how to accomplish something, right? We wake up, we're hungry, right? We have a desire for something. So now that will, that ruts in, goes to our intellect. I'm hungry, goes to the in- intellect. How can I now acquire food, right? I'm tired, goes to the intellect. How can I now go to sleep? Right now we do those things. Says of that, so those things are simple, right? How to do things, those aren't tough questions. What is what are tough questions? Tough questions are are take the form of is this thing good for me? Is this thing bad for me? Should I should this be a goal of mine? Am I really interested in this? Why are these things difficult? Why is it so difficult to decide whether a given um, decisions you have in front of you about whether you should or should shouldn't do something. Why is it so difficult? Says of Dessler because we almost always we well, says we always have a prior interest, right? We have a prior interest into this thing. For example, someone wants to know. Someone looks in the Shulchan Aruch on Shabbos if he can play chess or not. This is the example he gives. He, gives, he says chess. Someone wants to know if they can play chess on Shabbos. Why is he looking in the Shulchan Aruch if you? if he could play chess, because he wants to play chess, right? He has a prior interest in that thing. So to us, when we, when we want to know, should I do this? Should I, we, should I go to Israel next year? Any important decision, should I believe in this? Any important decision, we always have a prior bias. We always have something that will, that will pull us in one direction. Um, to see how far this goes, the Gemara says, Rava, in the Gemara in Kasuba says, Rava says, Rava Amar, my time of the Shaykhada. What's the reason of Shaykhad? What's the reason that a judge cannot take a bribe? Right? We know a judge, a judge can't, even a dollar, can't take a bribe from one of his, from one of the people in the court. Answers the Gemara, because once someone gives 
once the person in court gives the judge money or anything, he'll see it as himself. The Ain Adam Roya Chayva Ba'atzmai. Man does not see himself as guilty. Ain Adam Roya Chayva Ba'atzmai. The judge will not see himself as guilty. Says the, says the morale on this. The morale goes even further to say that not only will, will a person not see himself as guilty, the judge not only will he not see himself as guilty, even if someone suggests a svara why this, this defendant might be correct, the judge will, his, his netiyah is so strong, his leaning is so strong because of that bribe that was given, he'll be blinded. He won't even be able to see that it's the MS. Similarly, um, Rabbi Shmuel, the Gemara records a story with Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel had a sharecropper. Every Friday, the sharecropper would bring in his fruits and vegetables from the field. Right, Rabbi Shmuel was in the city, the sharecropper was in the field. Every Friday, the sharecropper would bring in the fruits. Now, one Thursday, the sharecropper had a din with someone. So he came in on Thursday, and since he was coming into the city anyway, he decided, I'll just bring the fruits, whatever, fruits and vegetables, I'll just bring them in anyway, right? So he brings in the fruits and vegetables to Rabbi Shmuel on Thursday, and he goes to his dentera. Now, Rabbi Shmuel was one of the dayanim in that, in that, in that, um, in the, on that bezdin. Says Rabbi Shmuel, you, since you, you were mocked him at one day, you brought it one day early, I, I have Nagias in this, in this din, even though they're my fruits. These are my fruits. They belong to me. You brought it one day early. I have Nachasura from this. I can't be your, I can't be your dying. I can't be the dying for this thing. So what does he do? Rabbi Shmuel gets up and he walks out. And there's going to be another, uh, there's going to be another uh, dying that's going to come and, and do din. Um, now, as Rabbi Shmuel's walking out, the din is going on. Or whatever, he's standing outside. The din is going on. And Rabbi Shmuel hears it and he thinks... He thinks of a svara. He thinks he hears the thing going on. He thinks of a svara of how to make his sharecropper correct, right? And he, he holds its ms. He he has this svara and he holds its taka ms. He holds that the sharecropper is correct. So what does he do? So he, he starts going back in. He starts re-entering the bezin so he could go and say say his svara and say that the sharecropper is right. As he's walking in, he calls out his own bias. He goes, "I don't really believe this svara. It's not a true svara." I only had this svara because of my sharecropper brought in my fruits one day early. He starts walking out and he says, wow, that was amazing. This is Rabbi Shmuel. We're talking about Rabbi Shmuel, who's a uh, uh, Tana. And, and the, the, the fact that he was able to call out his own thing is amazing. But also, but, but just we see from the fact that he, he, he had this svara and he held, it was, he held it was correct. That was amazing. Okay. Fine. So where are we going with this? Says Rav Dessler, if this is true for a bribe and a judge and everything we just said, how much more so for our own, our own decisions? We have our, our egos and our taiva, our desires, block could, could, could literally blind us from seeing the truth, from, from making the correct or incorrect decisions. So how can we, how can we possibly expect... To be, to be making the correct decisions. How could we possibly expect to... We have these massive biases, these biases of the ego, the taiva, that uh, pervert our, our judgment in deciding what is MS and what is Sheker. How can we be expected to, to, uh, to do what is right? Now, just to, to bring this out, I think uh, this isn't him. I'm going to go off for a second. 
somewhere where this, I, I think it can be seen, this specific point um, comes out a lot. Where people believe they're doing what is, what is right, but they're really being blinded by their taiva, is like this. There's what we, what we want to do and what we feel like doing, right? We want to, everyone, everyone wants to be true to themselves, however, whatever that means. Everyone wants to, right, we don't want to be fakers, we want to do, we want to do what we, what we, we want to do what we feel is us, right? Now, to some people, that means, that means running off and doing crazy things. So what are you going to tell them? So what's the answer? Why, why are they wrong? That's what they feel like doing, right? Do you feel, do you feel like being restrained by, I don't know, the myth? Do you feel like being restrained? No. So is that being true to yourself? Is it being true to yourself if you now keep, whatever, keep Shabbos? If you don't feel like keeping Shabbos, you're not being true to yourself if you keep Shabbos, right? So what's, are, are they incorrect? Really? Are these people now incorrect? There's what we feel like doing and what we want to do. What we feel like doing, what we feel like doing is the body, is the comfort, is what the body wants. What we feel, we don't feel like getting out of bed. We don't feel like not eating candy. We, we feel, we feel everyone here sitting right now, everyone here probably feels like being on their phones, right? Listening is boring, maybe. I hope not. Nope. But, um, yeah, anyone, anyone not on the phone, we want, what do we feel like doing? We feel like sleeping. We feel like comfort. We feel, we feel like doing nothing. We don't, we don't feel like moving. We don't feel like, we don't, we don't feel like, giving energy like then there's what we want to do what we want to do is is we could put it we could say it's what the neshama wants it's what we really want out of life it's fulfillment it's meaning it's what we really want being true to oneself is doing what you want not what you feel like doing and what you do what you do when you do what you want that's when you're really happy when when you do what you want that's when you're fulfilled that's when you're when when you when you don't do what you feel like doing when you get out of bed, when you do what you want, as opposed to doing what you feel like doing, that's when you feel good about yourself. That's, that's really being true to yourself. And that's when you're truly happy. I find that's, that's well, the point of what I'm saying is that I, f- I think that people sometimes, their, their taiva, what they feel like doing sometimes blinds them. And they think, that, they think that it's actually correct in doing what they feel like doing because their taiva is blinding them. Right? So we have two more quick points. Says of Dassler, this is the main avoid of Musser. Calling out our biases, recognizing when, when we get in the way of ourselves. Recognizing when, when we get in the way of ourselves. You heard that? Recognizing when we do things that we really don't think, is, don't think are right. It's a great line. But um, I'm getting in the way of him now. It's like, <laughs> I'm just providing a visual. Like, <laughs> I want to hear you. I want to hear you, but there's just yeah. something stuck yeah, yeah, yeah. in you. Oh, my, my, it's annoying to all of us. I like it. I like it. Um, says of Dasser, this is this is the Sharish Amuster. This is the root of Muster. This is what we almost do before we before we go on our journey of uh, bettering ourselves. This is what we must do. Um, so, two more quick points. He says that. A, we always know, we always have a deep sense of what's, of what's really right. Even when we may be blinded by our taiva or whatever, we always know when, like, something's off. We have a deep sense of what's right and wrong. 
we, we always really, we, we know. We have like, Cheshbonis will come up, you know, like, no, I have, whatever, whatever. But like, we really know. We have that feeling. We have that sense. So being in tune with that sense is really, is very important. The second thing he says is, Amunas Chachamim. This is a large part of the reason why, why someone should have a Rebbe or someone should have someone to help them out is to help them call out their biases. What's the example? The Ramchal says, the Ramchal says, what's a Munas Chachamim? The Ramchal gives the, the visual of a corn maze, right? Anyone who's ever been to a corn maze, you're in the corn maze and you're going. Now, left, right, everything looks, everything looks the same. There's no, there's no entrance, exit, everything looks the same. The Ramchal says, but imagine you're in the corn maze, but there's someone on a balcony overlooking the corn maze. He's telling you, go left, go right. He's directing you how to get to the exit. Now, you could choose to listen to him or not, right? You could say, oh, you could, you could not believe him and just say, oh, no, I'm not going to listen to him and just go left when he says right. What are you going to do? You're going to end up running around, you know, running left, right. You'll, you'll, you'll be lost, very lost. But what, what, what could you do and what should you do? You should choose to listen to that person because he's he has that he has that perspective. He has that he he's outside of you. He can see what's really going on. He can tell you. He can show you how to get out of there. That says that's 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 the Ramchal is is uh, is what Amunas Chacham is. And if that's the right, that before we that this is an important tool to use before we can uh, before we can before we're there at the point of where we can call out our biases. It's important to uh, ask elders and the people that are wiser than us. Fascinating, fascinating. Zelig, first of all, welcome home, Zelig Lieberman. Yehuda, Yehuda Kedarkai picked a beautiful sugya and Kedarkai brought out things. I once, I once heard a Bacher grappling. He was talking to me and another friend of his, and he was mamish grappling. He had a big taiva to be involved in a Dover Isser, and he was grappling, but I want it. And then he was grappling, but I also want to have a from family. I want to, he pictured like his children, he was grappling, I can't figure out. But I think I want this too. And he wanted to do something one night that very much contradicted the picture of having a from wife, healthy children, a beautiful relationship. And he was grappling, but I want to do what I want. Yeah, but I want that, but I want this. And in the sugi of self-awareness, what Yehudu is mechalic between whims and wants. <coughs> Sim, do you hear those words? A whim and a want. In all different nuschais, we have deep wants and shallow whims. We have fleeting whims, like it would be so tempting, but I have a deeper want. We confuse those two a lot. He was like grappling, but I want to do what I want. Yeah, but I also want... So you have to like be mechalic within the shallow whims and the deep wants. In the sugi of Das In the sugi of self-awareness, how many people say, I don't want to be restricted. Oh, do what you want. Do your deep wants, not your shallow whims. And then ask yourself, what's my profound want? 
ultimately to, to not do things, ultimately to not do taivas that we have, we can't not do it to please other people. You can't do that. It won't help if you're grappling with any addiction or anything. The fact that your mother's going to be upset at you, your mashkiach's going to be so unimpressed, it won't win. Ultimately, it's profound self-awareness of what I'm interested in. That's the ultimate victories. But you have to very much get be'ion into yourself. And I think anybody has to study whims and wants. A man has the giant Sunday afternoon and he has his wife, his marriage. You have to like real, but what I mean, I want to watch the giant, so I'm telling you. How many people have messed up a marriage, messed up children? Because they couldn't be mechalik. So brilliant, Yehuda. And that shear he gave from Reb Dessler, we got, we got a shear, Reb Dessler's words, but through the beautiful, through the beautiful mind, of Yehuda Zelman, we got that tremendous havchana that all of us have to separate my whims and my wants. I was very, I was moved by that. Thank you, Yehuda. He speaks about that example, or that's your example? That's your own. That's that's Yehuda Zelman put in there. Which example? The whims and wants. The difference in, in the sugi of self-awareness. What do you say to that, Naft? How we mecha- what confuses us, right? We have fleeting things, but this how we mechalchin those two things. Is there a better way of saying it or thinking about it? I don't know. If that's what it is, right? There's like whims and wants. Sometimes the whims feel like wants, like they're so strong in the moment. What? Then there's deeper wounds also. It's confusing. It's, it's confusing. In the moment, the wind feels. This guy heard a guy grappling, but I, but I don't get it. I, he called them both once. It's not that way. If he would sit down and write his big picture view and his plans, that was very profound once. Maybe I think whims imply they're just they're usually fleeting. Could it be that it's really bo- they're both wants? One is the wants of the neshama in the future, and one is the guf. So it's not it's not a whim. It's, it's a it's a want. It's a desire. It's from the guf. It's a part of it, but it's not long term. It's not forever. I think when he sits down late at night and just writes, he's not in the moment. One will be there on his list, and one won't be there. That's what I think. Ellie, come sit next to me. I want to talk about a whole new topic, if I may. Yehuda, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Yehuda Zelman. That was incredible. I want to talk about a whole other topic, if I can. I want to, I want to speak about a topic, Ellie, if I can, for not so long. We just we already had a whole... We had a whole Indian, but I want to speak about a topic that I like speaking about at this time of year. We're in the weeks of Shavivim, and our thoughts turn to the Golas Mitzrayim and to the Gula, the redemption. And I want to speak about a very, very important path out of the traps of our life. And I want to say, Ariel, that a tremendous part of growth starts with Kedusha Sapet starting to be more careful with our mouths. 
I want to talk about how important words are. I think we undervalue the words of our mouth. Words destroy, as the as as the as as the Pesukim teach us, Life and death is in the power of speech. Words matter tremendously. It's very interesting in Yiddishkeit. How do you say words is deeper? Dalit Bey's Reish, Deber. And how do you say a thing? An item is a dover, is a thing. In our world, we don't view it, okay, you just said, it's just words. We, wor- we use words, the same word for word is the same word for things. Haloi dover, who is it? Not something. And Deber and dover. I told the Bach how important words are, and he said like that cool expression, oh, word. Like, but, but words are big. And in our world, in our world, words are huge. We actually say, Every morning we say, Hashem spoke, and the world was spoken into existence. We come from a world where words matter a lot. Now, I'll tell you that all of us think that we say what we think. Because I thought it, I said I was just being honest. I want to tell you a scenario. A group of people are bashing a guy. And you don't, you're not even against a guy. You don't have much of an opinion. And you join in. Your roommates are bashing a guy. They're saying, oh, he's horrible. And like somehow we've all had moments like this where we joined in almost involuntarily. People were bashing the guys like, yeah, it's ridiculous. We were like saying things we didn't even hold. Everybody was saying it like, yeah. All of a sudden you hold negative things on him. The Chayvah Salvavis writes, it's not pshat that we say what we think, we think what we say. One more time. It's not pshat that we say what we think. We end up thinking what we say. If a group of people are bashing a yeshiva, and you didn't even feel negative to the yeshiva, but like you joined in because they were bashing, you bashed, because you said it, you'll feel it. In the words of the Chayvah Salvavis, Hamachshava Hoylechacharadibur. We think what we say. By saying it, you, you cause your mind to think that way. Words are extremely powerful and can cause a thought process. When I was going out with my wife, she told me about some sorrow, some tragedy that happened. And I said, wow, that's crazy. So she said politely that my teacher taught me, don't say that's crazy. So she politely, politely said, maybe we shouldn't say that's crazy, it's Ashkocha. It's not crazy, it's Hashem running the world. That's crazy. So I was very shaken by that. In my mind, I didn't tell her, I thought, that's crazy. <laughs> but, but I was very shaken, I was very like, what? Is that real? I'm just saying that's crazy. But then I learned the Gemara Baba Kama Daf Lamed Ches. And the Gemara Baba Kama Lamed Ches says, 
that Reb Shmuel bar Yehuda Shchivi Leibarta, Reb Shmuel bar Yehuda's daughter died. Amr le Rabbanan Ula. The Rabbanan said to Ula, "Come, let us go." Nezel Minchami, let's go give him a comfort. Let's be Menachem Avel as a mitzvah deraisa. Of kindness, let's be Menachem Avel. Omar Luhu Ula responds, My Isli Gabe Nechamta de Bavloi. I don't want to comfort along with the Babylonians. Digi Dufahi, it's a curse. They curse Klape Hashem. Why do they curse? The army, you know what Babylonians say? And this sounds so innocent. Ula does not want to go to be Menachem with Babylonians. You know what they utter? Maish, you know what they say? They say this sounds so innocent. What can we do? What can we do? Says Ula, that's a curse. What can we do? Sounds like if I could do, I would do different. Amazing Gemara. It seems so innocent, Zach. Okay, they were just saying. No, your words are very, very powerful. Words are extremely powerful. I want to say every single guy here is going to create a home base, Hashem. The main building blocks of your home. You're not, a sh- you're not shallow, guys. Please don't be shallow. A home is not mortar and bricks. A home is an environment. We have Hassanim here. We have Chaimel. We have Dani. They're going to build homes very shortly. And all of us will be involved in the construction of a home. I'm not talking about the physical structure you have. I'm talking about the building your son and daughters walk into, the room, the house. What are they going to feel at ages when they're amazingly vulnerable? Mm-hmm. A Kim, a one-year-old who has very little tools. You get older, you can process things. I'm talking about a five-year-old, like no tools. Not so many emotional tools. What is that room they're going to walk into? You're going to create an environment. And I beg the guys, the main way you create your home is with your speech. And everybody has to be aware of what type of speech they bring into their home. Cass anger puts a certain culture in the house. Your kids will not even be able to like know later on what caused what. But there was tremendous cass. Cass creates kfira. Cass creates denial of Hashem. That's that's David Amelech says. It says Russia Apoy. A Russia when his anger is very strong. Ain there is no God. Kolmazi Maisab is all his thoughts. Anger is a denial of Hashem. You create angry and angry words, create a certain force, a certain vibe, if you will, in the house. We are all going to create a bias based on our words. The words we use, the way we speak, our stam speech, creates a certain vibe and creates a certain atmosphere. And all of us have to be sensitive to what type of atmosphere our speech creates. It's an important question when I talk to a roommate, a friend, is he uplifted or is he put down? Speech creates reality. It's, we never view it, it's just words. 
And all of us, with our speech, create and build real things. Your house is not is much, much less how beautiful the chandeliers and all that. And it's much more what, what did you create with your speech, with the way you talk, with your words, what do you create? It's an extremely important question. And words create reality. <laughs> If you know in a deep way about Golos Mitzrayim, it's called the Golos Hadiber. Maishu Rabbeinu says, We went into Mitzrayim because they were Dalturin. Dalturin means Ba'alei Lashon Hara, inappropriate speech. And the Yitziah from Mitzrayim is because of good speech. Does anybody know in what Mesechta it speaks about speaking cleanly and appropriately? Psachim. Ah. In the Mesechta of getting out of Mitzrayim, Psachim. The Geula is called the Geula Sapeh and the Geula Sapeh. One of the first steps I would say to any person who's interested in growing is to monitor better what his speech is. To be more aware. The words I say is it uplifting. Now, they're all different levels of speech. We have speech that's isurim, that's asr. Lashon hara is asr. Nivol peh does not mean to say swear words. Swear words is not an isr daraisa. Nivol peh is inappropriate topics. Inappropriate topics is asr daraisa. That's an isr daraisa. The Messiah Sharm says sarayis mamish. That's asr daraisa. Erva sapeh. Bad speech, curse words and swear words are not asadaraisa, it's not nevulpeh, but that's words that are just, they're, they're, they're not, they don't create an atmosphere of royalty, a class of dignity. To me, the first step, I've been here for many years, the first step, if a guy said, Rebbe, what's my first step? I would say is to start asking, do my words heal and build, or do my words pull down and corrupt? To say swear words, negative words, all different type of speech that makes people feel less dignified and classy and creates an environment of, 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 that's, that's, that's not conducive to growth, that's not conducive to elevation. Speech and marking our speech. Our main power is with our mouths. Hakol kol Yaakov, the mouth. That's the, where we get every place that we need to get is with our mouths. And really watching our speech, speech creates reality. It's not, hey, I just meant, I just said, no, no, no. If you said that, it creates reality. We think what we say, measure what you say, prepare what you say, learn to say things in beautiful ways. My Rebbe taught me something when I was a youngster that, that made a big impression on me that I want to share with you. Allow me to learn a Gemara with you. I'm moved by it. I want to learn it with Eli. The Gemara is Lamed Aleph Amad Beis. The Gemara is Andaf Lamed Amad Beis to Lamed Aleph Amad Aleph. Lamed Amad Beis to Lamed Aleph Amad Aleph in Shabbos. Let's learn it fast. Ariel, let's learn it fast. Taner The Gemara said a person should always be humble like Hillel and not be a captain Kishamai. Be humble and easygoing like Hillel, not a captain. My son, the Gemara says the following story, Eli. Shnei b'nei Adam, two men, shehemiru zezeh, they made a bet. They made a, a, a bet, one with the other. 
Amru, and they said between the two of them, Whoever can get Hillel angry, the other guy will have to pay him 400 Zuz. Oh, they were both trying to get angry? It sounds like they made a bet. So they said, either one of us who gets Hillel angry, the other one will have to pay him 400 Zuz. Huh? Shlomo would yell at these people for making such a bet. I agree with Shlomo. I really would. So Amar, I agree with you. So Amar Echad Mayhem. What if neither of them gets me? What? It doesn't say that. I guess they don't owe. It says Kol Mishayel Yaknis. Revezi says that one of them, like one of them, said get angry. I always thought like you, but it doesn't sound that way in the story. Why will he have to? You just made me lose. Because I would have won it if you got angry. It's not called losing. Oh, that's what I understand. Yeah. Menias Reva. Menias Reva. I hear what you're saying. It doesn't mean that if you don't make. But that's I'm not. I like open-mindedness, Chevra. I always misopic. Does the Gemara mean Hudi that one said you'll never get him angry, and the other said I can? Right. And the bet was, it, the, if you get him, let's read the words again. The assumption we have is one said I can get him angry, and the other guy says you can. And then they bet $400. If you get him angry, you win it. <laughs> the words the Gemara says, they had some fight. Whoever gets him angry will get 400 zuz. So that's what he's saying. Sounds I lost, a I, little. I lost means I didn't make it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure which one did you learn, Rabbi Kiva. I, I also thought that somebody lost the bet, but uh, it sounds a little that Komi, like either of us gets him angry, the other has to pay. It almost sounds like they both were, were saying nobody can get him angry. Could anybody get him angry? I don't know. What was their fight? They had some fight. So according to me, like they both like they said, if either of us gets him angry, you'll pay me points. Just yeah, yeah. Maybe they both thought they're the ones who can get him angry. I don't know. Does their fight have anything to do with the rest of the story? Well, they both try. Well, one tries to get him angry. No, so that, the fact that they had a fight before this? Not really. It's funny. Not really. Not really. It doesn't appear, but everything the Gemara says has to. So, Chaim, they, they had this bet between them. So, one One of them said, I'm going to get Hill angry. I could do it. That day was Erev Shabbos. The Hillel Chafafis Reishay. Hillel is shraggy, is combing his hair, is making his hair. And this fellow passes by Hillel's house. Amani says, Me can Hillel, me can Hillel. Does Hillel live here? Does Hillel live here? Now, Shalom, I assure you, all the Jewish people knew where Hillel lived. Good and well. He was being like stupid. Everybody knew where Hillel lives. You go to Bnei Brak, I guarantee everybody knows where Rechaim lives. If you scream in front of Rechaim's house, is there Rechaim here? Is there? You just make it like sons. And this fellow went in front of Hillel's house, screaming, is there a Hillel here? Is there a Hillel here? Nisatif Yasal So Hillel stops his process of combing his hair, wraps his head and goes out to greet the Yid. Omar Lain, he says to the Yid, Bini, my son, Matamavakish, what do you want? Armalai Shaili Yeshli Lishla, I have a question to ask. Armalai Shal Bini Shal, ask my son, ask. And he said, Ne Mara Shem Shabavliam Salgu Gloidlas. 
Why do Babylonians have very round heads? Very good question, my son. And he said, because they have no chayas pichas, the midwives are not so smart there. He waits an hour. And Chazavamra, Mikan, hello Mika, he's screaming in the street again, Arab Shabbos. Hillel is again, is back to Shabbos Hachanais. And the Yid yells again in the street, is there a hill in the house? There a hill in the house. Nisatip Yasalakrasai, so Hill again wraps his hair and goes out to greet him. Amalai Bani Matamavakish, my son, what do you want? Amalai Shaila Yeshlushla, I have a question. Amalai Shal Bani Shal, ask my son, ask. And he asked me, my name shall Tarmudayim Chutais. Why do the Tarmudayim have slanty eyes? Amalai Bani Shaila Vadayla Shalta, my son, it's a great question. They should Darim Bainachoilis, because they live in a place of a lot of sand. Halach Behint Mishachas. So he waits another zman ma. Chazavam, and he screams again in the street. Mikan hill, Mikan hill. Is there a hill here? Nisatim Yatzel Grasa. Hill again raps and comes out to greet him. Amalein Bnei Matamavakish, my son. What do you want? Amalei Sheli Yishlish. I have a question. Amalei Shal Bnei Shal. Ask. He said, Why do the Africans have rechavos thick feet? Amalei Bnei Sheli Gadol Lashalta. Great question. And he says they should darn bein bitzay amayim because they live by a lot of water. Amalei sheilos har beyeshli lishol. So he said, I have many questions to ask you, Hillel. Or misyariani, and I'm afraid shema tichos. He might get angry. Nisati v'yashav lefun of Hillel sits down. Body language sits down. I have all the time in the world. Amalei kol sheilos yeshli lishol shal. Ask me any question you want. Are you Hillel, who they say is the Nasi and Klai? So that's me. If you're that guy, there shouldn't be more people like you. Why, my son? This, it feels like Ray Shapiro, the next words. Ray Shapiro is one of the most open minded people I ever met in my life. And whatever you say to me takes you very seriously. He has like no agenda, just the truth. I once listened in, there's a true story. It was the first day of this man. We were in an un... I can't mention where we were. I don't like saying that place. But we were somewhere, we were somewhere. And Rai Shapiro was saying sheer at a bacher. And anyway, so Rai Shapiro was saying sheer. And a guy says, my guy is new to Waterbury. And the guy wanted, Ray Shapiro at that time was saying the first year of the high school. And the guy wanted to come. That was beautiful, I was. And the guy wanted to come here and like show Ray Shapiro, like, you know, like, he's all trouble. So he said, I hate this place. I was like, oh, why? Like, he's like, really? Like, you hate, okay. Like, he's very open-minded. So the kid said, because there are no girls here. I, I kid you not. So the guy's like, he's like really like, there are no girls in your shit. Rai Shapiro's like, that's so fast. I never thought about that. Rai Shapiro wanted to have like a discussion about that. The guy didn't know what to do next. He wasn't like looking to have an intellectual discussion. He was trying to show, I am mad, I'm troubled, whatever he wanted to say. And to Rai Shapiro's like very open-minded. So that's so fascinating. I was there, it was like hysterical. Rai Shapiro's the type, if you tell him you're a jerk, like, Oh, like that's so, like what, do you, what does it mean a jerk? Why do you think I am? <laughs> it's just an open-minded mivakish emes 
without an agenda. So it's funny, the guy says to Hillel, there shouldn't be anybody like you. I just picture Ray Shapiro. Hillel says, my son, fascinating. It's like, it's very fascinating. He's saying nobody should be like me. my son, why? Amalei says, because I lost because of you 400 zuz. Now Ravezi says, what does he mean? He lost money. I claim it just means I lost is manias revach money I could have made. Ah! You would have gotten angry. It's Ravezi learned that he lost the money as he bet. The other guy said you'll never no, get him no, angry. No, didn't say that. That's not what it, said. it just doesn't say it. But I but no. But the cash I have here. What do you mean I lost? I'm a supic on that. But he said yeah. I'm a supic. But he said I lost four hundred zos because of you. The bottom line is is my Rebbe said on this Gemara that we learned the super, super patience of Hillel. But Zach, what was his trick? How did he get so patient? What's the secret? And the Gemara tells us, always be an anvisan ki Hillel. Be as humble and patient and bending as Hillel. Be a savlon. Have a lot of patience. What's the secret to such patience? And Simcha, my Rebbe taught me, and it left an impression on me, is that the secret hill is soft speech. He uses the word, in, the, in, this, in, this, in this conversation, he says it 11 times, B'ni, my son. It like sticks out 11 times, he says, B'ni, Shal, B'ni, Shal, Mata, Mevakesh, B'ni, B'ni, Sheila, G'dayla, Shalta. He says over and over, my son. And my Rebbe said a pshat, that it says, mm-hmm. Shud is my friend, Ray Kilson, said this pshat based on my Rebbe Shir. My Rebbe said that soft talk causes soft feelings. Based on this chaybis halvavis, that if you learn to have a gentle speech, it will calm yourself down. And my friend, Rabbi Kilson, said based on this speech of my Rebbe, that the Pasuk says, rach, a soft answer, turns away anger. And we always understand it, that when I speak softly, Simcha calms somebody else's anger. But my friend Rabbi Kilsen Shlita said that rach, a soft answer, turns away your own anger. If you speak softly, you'll feel that way. I've had times in Yeshiva Zach, there once in a while, I'm very into sometimes the same love of a bacher, you have to be tough with your children. I'm worried some guys here won't be tough enough on their kids. Don't be a liberal. Sometimes your kid needs a good nazifa, good yelling, not anger, not from me, disgrace. I promise you, there was recent time, a guy is sitting here in the crowd now. I thought in my house, I thought about the situation, and I made a decision, I think he could use a good yelling. I thought it would be very life-giving to him. And I wasn't in the mood, first of all, because I like him a lot. I even second understood why he made the mistake he made. So first of all, I like him. Second of all, I understood why he made the mistake. And third of all, I didn't want to yell at him because I knew if I yell, then I'll be in a bad mood. I had three reasons very much not to yell at him, but I decided I like him too much and I promised it had the same love if I would kiss him. The same, exact. And I gave him a good yelling. Because I thought it would be good for him to get a good yelling. I thought a good yelling, a good nazifa, to tell him off would be good for him. 
I thought it out, and we all are good telling off sometimes. It's very good. But our, you'll see one day with your own kids. But not cast. Not cast. A thought out, machshava, like Yehuda said, we have to be self-aware, make sure it's not from places that are bad. It's a thought out decision from zero cast, just what somebody needs. Were you in a good mood when you yelled at him? And what's amazing, what Revezi says, and it's amazing, what before I yelled him was in a great mood. And after you, after you yell at him, and it's cast upon you, don't even feel any anger, you're in a bad mood. You know why? Because you said harsh words. It's amazing. It's amazing. Could anybody here, I ask you an experiment by hands. Ariel, did anybody here ever yell at a parent, chas or a sibling, and while you were yelling, you thought to yourself, whoa, I didn't realize I was so mad. Did anybody ever have that experience? Do you hear what I'm saying? While you're yelling, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, whoa, I was much more, whoa, I didn't realize. I want to tell you the secret, you weren't as angry as you think. Because you yelled, you got angrier. That's the principle. We think what we say. Now this is very dangerous. I'm not saying there's not something called anger. And anger has a place and a value. And we're a very dangerous speech here today because there's something called suppression and not expressing and there's a time when it's very, very important to express. So I'm not talking about suppression and not working out an emotion and validating what you're feeling 100%. I'm talking about that the general state of a person is affected very much by the words you say. Ariel, here you could have zero anger. And I promise you, I've seen this. Oh, no, okay, I got to like tell you, something happens in the dorm. I like the guy, I understand the guy, and no t- there are times you get angry, and that's a different sugya. But no matter time, you have like nothing, you're like, mm-hmm. I was like, it's geschmack. Okay, okay, this has to go. And then you call the guy, and you say some strong words. Excuse me, what are you doing? You're hurting yourself, whatever, whatever you have to say. And after you say the strong words, you're in a bad mood. You're in a tough What happened? You said strong things, that's how you start feeling. Negativity is flowing, toughness is flowing. That's, it's, it, try it and you'll see. Now it's a complicated sub you were discussing. Like every truth is a very, it's just good to know first this truth. There are times all of us have gotten angry and we were saying angry things and we say, I didn't realize I was so angry. You weren't so angry. You actually created anger with your tough words. Now, again, how to balance and work. I have an emotion. We're not talking about being people. So somebody could take this whole lesson and have all these difficult feelings and from now on I'm just talking soft. We are not talking about ignoring emotions. We're talking about experiencing emotion, validating emotion. But the, the, the traveling from emotion to speech is what we are speaking about. If from emotion comes out a speech, a, a, a language right away that's tough, it's true that tough speech came from your thought, but will in turn create new thoughts. And you see people raging, often their very words spoken out of anger created rage. I would almost say a cycle is anger, tough words, rage. That your words created a rage. 
Now, feeling anger is an emotion to validate. I am angry. I'm probably entitled to it. It's actually good to feel anger often. I was hurt. I shouldn't be hurt. This, this, we're not talking about not recognizing an emotion. So we're just talking about the power of speech and how to use speech very, very cautiously and careful. Speech is really, really powerful. We live in a society where people might say, hey, he's just saying, it's only words. That's not how we believe as a people. Words are really, really powerful words. We don't say it's only words. Words are a mitzayos. Words are a reality. Words are power. The world was created with words. So it's a very, very powerful people that believes Baruch Sha'amar Vayayayalam. Hashem spoke and the world, He spoke the world into existence. All we have are words. And our own words are extremely powerful. So I say to us all in our own personal Avreda to really start taking stock of our words. I think every guy should ask himself what environment his words I think it's funny that Yehuda spoke about self-awareness. I think there are people who don't realize how biting their words are. I'm fi- I hate sarcasm. I hate it. And the reason I hate it is, is, is you have a language that's destroying. I've seen Rebbeim, parents. I once had a parent who's a big tzaddik and all his kids struggle in Yiddishkeit. I always wondered why. From afar, he's a big tzaddik and from close, he's a tzaddik. And sometimes that's his nesayin. But I spoke to him once and I saw his speech was laced with sarcasm and I had no questions anymore that all his kids struggled. I lost the question. Now, does it make him bad? It makes him very not self-aware. Sarcasm, what? That's not bad? That's a bad thing. That's a very bad thing. It doesn't make you evil. It's just he doesn't have the das. He doesn't know himself. You told him, I would much rather, I'll give an example. If your kid says something not so smart, I would much rather a parent say that wasn't smart than that was smart, eh? Sarcastic speech that you didn't mark down, you just ripped somebody. Sarcastic speech is one of the ugliest forms of speech. It's dripping with negativity. With, it also mocks people, puts people down. Sarcastic speech is from the ugliest form of speeches. And people have to ask themselves, what's my expressions? What does it do to people? There are all sorts of ribbing and joking that you think you're being funny and you have like corpses. Rabim halalim epilu. You have many corpses in your wake and you think you're just like, you're cute, you're funny, but you just killed many people. So you have to ask yourself a lot, what does my speech do? What impact does it make? Does it uplift? Does it encourage? There's, a, there's words in Misha that I like a lot. L'shoin chachamim marpeh. The language of wise people is healing. And I ask us all to say, do we have healing language? When we finish, and each of us, it's not to imitate the next person. The way you heal will not be the way you heal. I'm not talking about imitating the next person. Be you in your speech. But ask yourself, what's the effect of my speech? Because all of us will build our homes primarily with speech. The house our wife lives in, the house our children will be built with the speech we say, how we talk. Ezra Shulman had it for a while. I liked it a lot. 
if a guy would say, Chaim, give over how, when a guy would say something inappropriate, what would Ezra Shulman say to him? How do you talk? But every person has to ask himself that. How do you talk? What? Ezra says, how do you talk? We just learned Megillah. He said, You argue who said that statement? The Gemara says some things were learned, forgotten, and reestablished. As he says, we're saying different names. It was... But how do you talk is a good slogan. I think there are a lot of people very unaware what their speech is. A lot of people. You talk about a sugi that Yehuda Zelman brought up of knowing yourself, self-awareness. I think every person has to ask themselves what's their speech like. What, what environment does my speech... I think a lot of people will be very surprised. And if they're honest with the question... Is does their speech create like a bubble of excitement, of energy, of goodness? Or does your speech create like just people feeling low and bad? And again, have your own unique way. Don't copy another person. But from your own style, ask if you have the language of wise people. Or Shloyma Melech describes Yesh to our people that their bitoy, their baita, their expressions, are like stabs of swords. They're people of speech. It's like they're like they just they they literally cut people. What? Sarcasm. Sarcasm means like a hidden jab. Is that true? Sarcasm means a cut. The sar is like hidden. What? 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 I know. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> Could you look that up? I need. Could you look that up? He says that the word sarcasm. Really? What's sar? What language is the language? In Greek, ancient Greek, sarcasm, which meant the tears flow. Wow. Wow, I never knew that. Is there a Hebrew word for it? I never knew that sarcasm meant to tear flesh. It's fascinating that Shloyma Melech says some people's expression is the stab of a sword. And sarcasm is uh, to tear flesh. Sarcasm is from the ugliest forms of speech. It's you rip some, at least, and you rip some, you don't call yourself out. At least if you yelled at them, you make note that I said a negative thing. You want to make sure, what did you say? I was like, thinking sarcasm, I'm not even like, I can't. <laughs> We're both like bad at this sarcasm. We tried it. Let's go, let's go. Yeah. 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 It's funny, people's like inner world, their inner voices. Sure. Was Rebbe referring to that as well? Rebbe seems he's talking about what you, like, to others. Yeah. Chaim says, Ben Adam we spoke about the voice to others a thousand percent that we have a voice to ourselves that also can be very, very, very ridiculous. People catch themselves, they wake up late and like, there you go again. We, it's ridiculous. Why do you say that to yourself? That's chutzpah. It's not nice. People's inner voice, it's not just to others. People's inner voice can be ridiculously biting and inappropriate. Wow. Instead a guy wakes up late, should say to himself, you know, you've been very stark. 
Okay, let's get it together. People's voice to others and themselves also can be very inappropriate. The voice inside, we all have a voice that talks to ourselves. That voice, and by the way, you can change that voice. And it, by the way, it's very not effective to say to yourself, there you go, I'll look at you again. That inner voice is, 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 is very inappropriate. Just like your voice to others, that's a sugya. Chaim is saying, what did you see there? Wikipedia says something that's crazy. He says, bitterly cutting or caustic. Sarcastic. Bitterly. Isn't that amazing? Greek, Greek, Greek. No, no, no. He just says, after he brings down the etymology, he says, characterized by or involving sarcasm, given to the use of sarcasm, bitterly cutting or caustic. Yeah, sarcastic is like, it's, it's such a dangerous, any single bucker who's planning to build a home should call himself out if he ever speaks sarcastic to another roommate. It's not the way you talk to somebody. It's not the way you talk. And talking in ways that encourage, that uplift. And like Chaim said, the voice to others is a voice to oneself. That's not let it be biting and cutting either. There's a voice to self that should be l'shoim chacham imarpet. The beautiful language of the Chacham that's healing, that's encouraging, that uplifts, that inspires, that's how you create environments. We create with our speech. In our world, we don't say just, ah, it's only words. No, no, no. Words is a deeper, words is a duffer. Master Zaki? I think this start any single person to take stock of their speech to ask themselves how when they talk to their friends. And Chaim said deeper with the self-talk. Chaim's completely accurate that we have a whole way we talk to ourselves that could be very biting and bitter and inappropriate. And you change that voice. By the way, you could reprogram. I spent, anybody spent, spends many years trying to program that voice. It's up to us how we talk to ourselves. If a guy catches up waking up late, coming late, everything evolves around late, you notice? If, 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 you, if you catch us and there you go again, that's very, very wrong and, and ineffective. And ineffective. Ineffective. Highly ineffective. And instead... What do I do? There I talk and go again. No, there's a new voice. We make a voice that's healthy. We decide. We determine that voice. So then I have to talk to myself what the voice is. The voice, the response to a person matters a lot. What's his inner voice? Is I'm very impressed. You know, whatever he talks about, a self-talk. A good self-talk is important. How it is, what what voice it is matters a lot. That's your kind of voice. Let's get the second. I'm in love with you. I just can't